0: Our Old Testament passage today picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. Now, these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of a man who was raised on high. Who raised him? God raised him. The anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of the Lord, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on the countless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, ordered in all things and secure. This is my house, ordered in all things and secure. <laughs> for he, for will he not cause to prosper all my help and all my desire? Now look at that. He will cause to prosper all my help and my desire. He will make it successful. But worthless men... Are all like thorns that are thrown away. For they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them. Arms himself with iron and a shaft of spear. And they're utterly consumed with fire. Ah. Worthless men. Now remember that list we make of worthless men? Here's another verse for that. They're like thorns. You get pricked when you touch them. So you have to use iron and the shaft of a spear. And you burn them with fire. He said, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josh, Bashabeth, a Tuklamite. He was chief of the three. Now, he was the chief of the three. These were the three greatest. He wielded his spear against 800 men whom he killed at one time. This one man killed 800 on the field of battle. And next to him among the three mighty men were Eliezer, the son of Dodo, son of Ahohi. And he was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And all the men of Israel withdrew. All All the men of Israel withdrew. And he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory on that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. So Israel retreated he stood his ground. Now you want to know what makes men great? When everybody else retreats, you stand your ground. And next to him was Shama, the son of Agi, the Harite. And the Philistines gathered together at Lihi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. <laughs> this was one of my favorite sermons that Jimmy Swaggart preached when I was a young man. <laughs> he stood his ground in a pea patch. Swagger had this sermon about a pea patch, and I loved that sermon. There was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. And he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked great victory. Now notice, this is the second time you've seen this. And the Lord brought about great victory on that day. God gave the victory but needed a man to stand his ground. This is what makes great men. When everybody else pulls away, when everyone else flees, when everyone else withdraws, great men stand their ground. And God uses that man to give the victory. That man didn't win the victory. God gave the victory. But God needed a man who will stand the ground. Are you willing to stand your ground so that God can bring out victory? And three of the 30 chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when the band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the stronghold of the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. Imagine that. The Philistines were in the city of Bethlehem, David's hometown. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Why? Because as a boy, he drank that water. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. But he would not drink it. He poured it out before the Lord. This is leadership. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Now, leaders, there are things that the people of God do at great sacrifice. And then they bring it to us and they give it to us. David would not accept it. I have learned in my short life that there are things that people bring you that, are, that came by great sacrifice, and I don't accept them. I say, this belongs to God. When people risk everything, when people sacrifice so much, we don't accept those gifts. Those gifts belong to God. Now, Abishah, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruah, was a chief of the 30. Was chief of the 30. Now, it's interesting, Abishah, but not Joab. And he wielded a spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name beside the three. How to build a name? You build a name by accomplishment, not politics. You build a name by accomplishment. He was the most renowned of the 30 and became their commander, but he did not attain to the three. And Benaniah, the son of Joadiah, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. And he struck down two ariels of Moab. And he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when the snow had fallen. (laughs) That was another sermon that Jimmy Swaggart used to preach. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. (laughs) swagger could preach those really well and he struck down an egyptian a handsome man and the egyptian had a spear in his hand but benaiah went down to him with a staff and he snatched the spear out of the egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear these things did benaniah the son of joadiah and he won a name besides the three mighty men now notice how to build a name how to build a name by accomplishment. Verse 24. Ashiel, the brother of Joab, was one of the 30. Elhanan, the son of Dodo, of Bethlehem. Shammah, of Harad. Elka of Harad. Halaz, the Paltite. Ira, the son of ikish of Tekoa. Abizir, of Anahoth. Mabunai, the Hushathite. Zalman, the Halahite, Mahari, the Netophah, Heleb, the son of Ba'ana, of Netophah, Ataiah, the son of Rebiah, of Gibeah, of the men of Benjamin, Benaniah, of Parathon, Hidai, of the brooks, Gash, Al-Albon, the Abarthite, Azmavah, of Bahurim, Elabhah, the Shabonite, the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, Shama the Harite, Ahiam, the son of Sarar, the Harite, Eliphet, the son of Abishiah, and of Micaiah, of Macha, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileanite, Hezra, of Carmel, Baariah, the Arbite, Egal, the son of Nathan, of Zobah, Beni, the Gadite, Zalek the Ammonite, Nahariah of Baroth, the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira, the Erite, Gareb the Ithrite, Uriah, the Hittite, 37 men in all. Whew, those are hard names. Chapter 24, verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he incited David against them by saying, go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to his people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord delight in this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Arar and from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad and unto Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and the Kaddish in the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan and from Dan they went around to Sidon. And they came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And then they went out into the Negev of Judah at Beersheba. And when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people of Israel, his conscience. Now, brothers and sisters, it's good to have a soft, tender conscience. It keeps you out of trouble, and it teaches you when to repent when you've done wrong. You don't ever want what Paul calls a conscience that's seared, it's burned over and scarred, doesn't feel anymore. David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, o Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him. So always remember, there are consequences. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what I shall answer when I return to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Now here's a great principle. When you have sinned, it is better to take your discipline from God than to take discipline from men. God's mercy is great. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel in the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from his calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people. Now, David saw the angel. He saw the angel of destruction. And he said, Behold, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said, Go. Raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, as the Lord commanded. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from this people. Then Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take. And offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. There is so much in this passage, beloved. This is Temple Mount. David bought Temple Mount. This is where sacrifice was offered to stop the plague. This is where Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh because this is the place that God provided. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is the place where Solomon built the temple. This is the place that to this day stands there at the top of Jerusalem. This is the place where one day the rebuilt temple of God will be built that you see in Ezekiel, the four-square temple that shall be built. the millennial kingdom and david will offer worship there it's this is quite a place this is quite a place but can i just remind you there david said i will not offer burnt offerings to my lord that cost me nothing david said i'm just going to not take what this man gives and offer to the lord if it costs me nothing i'm not going to bring it beloved every offering should cost us something It should be a sacrifice from our life. We don't just pass on money. It should be a sacrifice from our life. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
1: God loves people more to know. He'd rather die than let them go. Cause God loves people more. I'd rather die than let them go Cause god loves people more than anything ooh, 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 god loves the wounded who stumbled into sin he reaches down and pulls them out and thinks them up again and he will heal Skip
0: Our New Testament passage today picks up in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Right where we left off yesterday, the persecution had come. There had been a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When they were released, the apostles went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they, they reported. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything that is in them. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth have set themselves together and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Now, they pray the word. They pray the word. This comes from Daniel and this comes from Psalms. So they pray the word. Now, now, folks, when, when you're in a hard time, you've got to learn to pray the word, not pray your emotions. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Ah, so here they are, the same men who crucified the Savior just a few weeks later is now saying, we're going to kill you if you don't shut up. And these men did not come to God and say, oh, God, you you weren't able to stop them from killing Jesus, and so you won't be able to stop them from killing us. No, these men did not look at God as a powerless God. They said, God, they only did what your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Lord, you were not powerless, God, not powerless, at the death of Jesus. God was sovereign, not powerless. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. That's the first prayer request. Now, they prayed the word. They've made their statement of faith, prayed the word, Now, statement of faith. Ah. They prayed the word. Now they make a statement of faith. Great confession of faith. And now they make their requests. Look upon their threats. That's their first request. Number two, grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They said, God, we want to keep doing this. God, we're not afraid. We're not, we will not bend. We will not bow and we will not break. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy child, Jesus. So while God look upon the threat, God help us to continue to speak the word with all boldness while you do miracles. Now, what got them into this trouble to begin with the healing of the man at gate beautiful they didn't say god can you tone down the miracles a little bit we're going to tone down our message a little bit we're just we just want to get through this crisis so let's tone it all down a little bit no they said god do it more <laughs> this is basically their request they said let's do it more i love this prayer <laughs> This is not tone it down. Lord, we're not we don't want to tone this down. We want to raise the volume. We want want more miracles. We're going to keep preaching. And then notice how God responds to their prayer. God's response. This is beautiful. God's response. And when they had prayed, the place, the Greek word there is topos. Yes, it refers to a physical place, but it also refers to an office of ministry and the opportunities created by that office of ministry. Judas left his topos. Um, Jacob's brother sold his topos for a, a pot of stew. The church will be taken from his topos in Revelation 3, church of Ephesus. And the place where they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Spirit. So here's a second filling. But for Peter, because remember Peter got filled again yesterday. So for Peter, this is his third filling. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own. And they had everything in common. Now, this is not communism. This is generosity. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, notice resurrection. Remember, we saw yesterday that the thing that got them angry was they were, the Sadducees were mad because they were preaching about, in Jesus, the resurrection. So with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And I love this. Great grace was upon them all. That's one of my prayers. Father, let great grace be upon my life. Father, let great grace be upon COP. Father, let great grace be upon all of our members today. Let great grace be upon us. Oh, that's a a great prayer. This is a great prayer request. There was not a needy person among them. Why? For as many who were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now notice, in Acts 2, everybody just gave. Now this is a change in standard operating procedure. Laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as they had need. Now, Acts 2 everyone gave to everyone acts 4 everyone gave at church and apostles distributed why because you got the christian crooks going on okay you got the people taking advantage and the, the apostles know the the people who are really in need Thus Joseph, who was called by the the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Now remember later when Paul and Barnabas go out on their first tour, they start in Cyprus, which is Barnabas' hometown. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this man was known for his generosity. We'll stop reading today. A man known for his generosity. One of the great leaders of the church was known for his generosity. Now, take it to a little bit of Proverbs for some wisdom today as we close out. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. People can make you better. People can make you better. Now, good people, you have to tie that also, and I put in here the verse reference that bad bad companionship corrupts good morals. But good people, hanging out with good people, make you better. Hang out with people that love to pray, and you want to pray more. Hang out with people that love the Word, and you love the Word more. Hang out with honest people, and you get more honest. Ah, Hang out with crooks, and you become more conniving. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit and he who guards his master will be honored. Okay. When you tend a fig tree, you get to eat its fruit and he who guards his master will be honored. I like the New Living. So workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. Now look, look at that in the New Living. So workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. Now you know, I've been an employee, worked all my life. My first job was when I was 12 years old. I've worked for a lot of people and I always guarded the boss. And I've had a lot of people who worked for me who stabbed me in the back. But I've also had a lot of people work for me who guarded my back. You always want to be an employee that guards the back of the boss. You watch their back, because there's always somebody, forgive me, and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. The heart of a man reflects the man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of men. Never satisfied are the eyes of man. Look at New Living Translation. So human desire is never satisfied. You have to learn contentment, beloved. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold. And a man is tested by his praise. (laughs) How God tests us. By the praise that comes against us. A person is tested by being praised, is the New Living Translation. When people praise you, does it make you arrogant? Does it make you proud? Or do you keep pointing people to God? Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain. Yet his folly will not depart from him. New Living Translation. You cannot separate fools from their foolishness, even though you grind them with grain with a mortar and a pestle. In other words, you know what? A fool is going to be a fool, and the best thing you can do is remove them from your presence because you're never going to drive foolishness from their heart. There's some great wisdom in there today. All right, we'll see you tonight. Seven o'clock sharp as we get back into the book of Romans. We'll see you tonight.